as, um, before I turn it back over to Brother Doug, uh, and of course our new quarter of Bible study, Bible classes have already begun, and I just wanted to make an announcement for the 7 through 12 uh, tonight. The, uh, on Wednesday nights, beginning tonight, if you're in grades 7 through 12, uh, you'll have a little different format. The boys will meet in the TAC, and the girls will meet downstairs in the last classroom on the right. So uh, there's going to be a divided study uh, beginning tonight. So I wanted to make that quick announcement. Good evening. We're glad that you're here tonight. We're thankful we got a little rain today, so that's nice. It's always good when we can assemble together like we are tonight. It's encouraging and uplifting, and we want to thank you tonight for being here, especially if you're one who is visiting our services. Thank you for coming, and I hope that you'll give us a chance to express how much we appreciate your presence uh, before you leave. I hope you got a bulletin on the way in uh, tonight. If you didn't, be sure and get one before you leave. It has several updates. Of course, we want to remember uh, Don and Brenda Dawson. Uh, Brenda uh, wants to express to everyone her thanks and her sincere appreciation uh, for all the encouragement that she's received through uh, phone calls and cards and other ways of encouragement. It's really uh, helped her uh, to get through a very difficult time right now. And of course, we need to remember the Dawsons and our prayers and the difficulty uh, they're facing. Other announcements that we want you to know about, there's going to be a youth fellowship and planning session for youth and parents, uh, along with anybody else that wants to support our youth activities. This will be Sunday, May the 21st in the annex after the evening classes. Also, we want you to keep in mind our Super Saturday Bible School that's coming up on June the 10th from 9 a.m. to 2.30. I hope you'll participate in that. I hope you'll see Stephen because he has some work uh, for you to do, and I'm sure he'll be glad to hear from you. As far as uh, other things that are going on, we want to express our deepest sympathy to Bo Gross and his family and the death of his father, Jimmy Gross, uh, Brother Jimmy was a faithful Christian. He was a longtime gospel preacher. He's going to be greatly missed by many. Uh, as you know, uh, he had been dealing with Alzheimer's for some time. But visitation with the family is going to be this coming Friday from 10 a.m. until noon at the Iuka Church of Christ building. The funeral service will follow at noon, and that will also be at the Iuka Church of Christ building. Uh, we rejoice that Joseph Briley, Joseph Riley uh, was baptized this past Sunday night. Uh, Jojo lives at Pinevale with Adam and Samantha. Uh, where is he right now? Right here? So I hope you'll congratulate him on that decision. Thursday night ladies class is going to meet tomorrow night. May, no, that's not right, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I got confused on my dates for a minute. It's going to be to meet tomorrow night at 11, uh, tomorrow night, May the 11th at 6.30 at the home of Ken and Anita Forrest. So ladies, please keep that in mind. Also, visitation team members, please pick up your assignments for May at the Visitor Center. I want to remind everybody of the annual fundraising and benefit dinner for Maywood Christian Camp. This will be this coming Saturday, May the 13th at 6 o'clock. It'll be at Isaac's Inn on uh, Camp Road. And uh, please uh, consider supporting Maywood. We know how much good it means and what it accomplishes in the lives of our folks. Uh, our food pantry is going to be open tomorrow at 9 o'clock until 1030. If you want to help with that, we'd love to have you at that particular time. And our food pantry item this uh, month, this week, this month is cornmeal. So it'll be open this Thursday as well as next Thursday. I believe that's all the announcements that I have at this time. Uh, we'll now enter our devotional. Brother Anthony Acock is going to be leading our singing. And, uh, of course, uh, Rick Warner will be leading our minds in prayer. Part number 947. Number 947 will be our song of invitation. Then turn to number 895. 895. <laughs> 
A few minutes, I want to share with you some of the thoughts that I'm going to endeavor to share with the folks that come to our food pantry tomorrow. Tomorrow, I plan to talk about the idea, the question, does it really matter why a person is baptized? You know, we read about people being baptized in the New Testament, and when we read that, it creates within people a desire to be baptized. We read about Jesus, we read about the apostles teaching people to be baptized in the New Testament and it prompts people to want to be baptized. And so the question is, as long as I'm baptized, as long as I'm fully immersed in water, does it really matter why I did it? Now, some would argue today that it really doesn't matter. Others claim it does, but you know, what does the Bible actually teach about this? You know, if it really doesn't matter why explicitly one is baptized, what if they're doing it maybe to please their parents, to get their parents off their back? Or if it really doesn't matter, why would it matter if they're baptized because, you know, all their friends are doing it and it just it's something to go along with them? Or, you know, if it really doesn't matter why one is baptized, suppose somebody just dared them to do it or... If it really doesn't matter, what if somebody is baptized just to maybe satisfy the wishes of somebody they desire to marry? And of course, the list of scenarios could be extended, but I believe these are sufficient uh, to point out that even human wisdom recognizes that the reason somebody makes the decision to be baptized is very, very important. So, does it matter? Well, you know, Jesus Christ has all authority, Matthew 28 and verse 18. And since the Bible is the only divine source that we have of information regarding baptism, we ought not look anywhere else other than the Bible for the reason one needs to be baptized. Now, a lot of people today in the religious world claim that one needs to be baptized in order to demonstrate to the world that he's already accepted Jesus, that he's already been saved. But did you realize there's not a single verse in the Bible that teaches that as a reason to be baptized? In fact, if you look at the Bible and only the Bible, uh, you'll find just the opposite. Some examples in the book of Acts are the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8, Saul in Acts chapter 9, uh, the jailer in Acts chapter 16. They were individuals who were baptized immediately without waiting for a crowd to gather to demonstrate to them or to anybody else the fact that they were already saved. 
And so what reason does the Bible give for one to be baptized? Well, there's only one as far as I know. When a person, a sinner, realizes that it's his sins that are separating between him and his God, when that person realizes that he needs to make a change in order to be saved, that person must be baptized so that in that moment of immersion, he may be saved, he may have his past sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. Acts twenty-two sixteen, Acts two thirty-eight, all teach this principle. That's the biblical reason for one to be baptized. And then that person that was not baptized for the reason that maybe God has pinpointed in his word, that person then ought to make the decision that they want to follow the Bible's teaching and the Bible's authority on this matter. So does it matter why one is baptized? Yes, it does. The Bible teaches that one must understand that baptism is for the purpose of washing away one's sins. Tonight you may be here and maybe you're outside of Christ. Maybe you need to come and render obedience to the gospel and have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ as you are immersed in water. Or maybe tonight you really haven't been faithfully serving God as his child and there are things you need to correct in your life. Maybe tonight you need the prayers of the church and you may want to come tonight and make things right with God. So tonight, if we can help you in any way, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing. kind and loving Heavenly Father, we come to Thee this evening, Father, thanking Thee for the privilege that we have to, together here at midweek, Father, to study Thy Word, petition Thee in prayer, sing songs of praise unto Thee, Father. Pray that You will be with each one of us this evening, Father, as we go into Thy Word, Father, that You will be with all the teachers who are, are teaching tonight, Father, that, that they will be able to, to teach it in a way that would be in accordance with thy will. Be with each one of us, Father, that we'll listen attentively, we'll dig into thy word, Father, and that we will apply it to our lives. We're so thankful, Father, for our health. We just pray, Father, we never take the material things of life for granted that we know all perfect gifts come down from thee father and we just we especially are so thankful for the spiritual gifts father that are ours in, in Christ Jesus and we're so thankful father that Jojo 
has seen fit to put Christ on in baptism. And we just pray, Father, that you will be with him and guide him through life and help him to, to do mighty things in, in thy cause, Father. We just pray that we'd be an, he'd be an example to us and, and us to him also, Father. There's those of us, Father, that we have a long list of sick folks. We have uh, those that are in hospice, Brother Don, and, and we just pray that you be with him and, and Sister Brenda, and we just suit unto them their needs, Father. And we have many more, Father, that are shut in, those that are hurting, those that are in treatments, those that are undergoing surgery, Father, and those that are awaiting surgery, we just pray that you would be with each one of them, Father. We have those that have lost loved ones, and tonight, Father, we especially pray for the Gross family, Father. We are so thankful, Father, for the life that uh, Brother Jimmy lived, and he labored many years in our vineyard, Father, and we just pray that uh, you would be with his family and hold them up during these difficult days ahead, Father. We just pray now that you will go with us through the rest of the night. Help us always, Father, to live our lives in accordance with our will. And Father, we know that we mess up and we fail thee. And we just pray, Father, that you would forgive us when we're willing to admit that and turn from it. We just pray now you'll go with us and God guard and direct us for us. In Christ's precious name we pray. Pray. Amen. As the teachers leave for class, we'll sing one verse of 1014, Jesus Loves Me. Jesus loves me this Good evening, everybody. Surely great to see you. And did you see who slipped in here tonight? There's Luther and Joan right there. You remember them? Right there they are. The Mormons are back. We are so thankful. Now, if they get up and leave, it's not because they're mad. It's because Luther just can't bear the pain anymore. Now, he's probably not going to do it. I'm hoping he's not going to do it. I hope he can hang in there. But I told him, don't just sit there and suffer, you know. But aren't we thrilled to have him here? Yes, we are. We've been, we've been praying a lot for you. And you too, Joan. <laughs> Ask anybody. Well, we pray for you in the same breath. So um, Luther was telling me that Winton actually tried to start some therapy, some rehabilitation. And it was pretty evident 
almost immediately that that wasn't the right course. And so he's being sent back to his surgeon and that's going to take place on Friday. So we're going to pray that all that works out just like it's supposed to. Now I have a lot of sick, as you know, I'm going to go through them. And if I have some updates or you have some updates, please share them. And then when we get to the end, if you have someone you want to add to this list, we'll, we'll put them on here and we'll be praying for them too. Irene Baker, Melinda Hester's mother, has terminal cancer. Austin Wentz is undergoing long series of treatments for cancer. Don Dawson, uh, you heard again, um, critically ill. Uh, Wade Davis is still missing. They've given a huge reward for anybody with information. But just really pray they'll get closure soon. Carolyn Wilcutt's recovering. Bobby Petty has cancer. Doug Smith's dad, Kelby Smith, has Parkinson's. Cody McGee is recovering from his foot surgery. Larry Kennedy has cancer. Van Roberts has cancer. Paul Rollison has cancer. Lex Crossan has health issues. Norma Hemwell, that's Joan and Martha's sister, her health is not well. Marty and Donna Woodruff both have cancer. Eli Johnson's undergoing treatments for cancer. Ethan Kendrick's friend, Justin Mooney, had throat cancer. He's taken some treatments, and Ethan was telling me that he got the word that his cancer is cured. So that's wonderful news, isn't it? That's what we like to hear. And he wanted me to relay to you through Ethan how thankful he is that we have remembered him in prayer. James Goddard has cancer. John Roten has health issues. Anne Langford has pain in her legs from arthritis. Emma Hutton has cancer. Paul Nichols has cancer. Sharon Strickland, Grayson Miller, Scotty Ennis, Paul Goldman, Pat Moore, Teresa Burcham all have cancer. Laura Galloway is pregnant and healthy, and that's great news. Lauren, too. So we just keep going along with that, looking for the day that those children arrive here with us. Linda Garrett's undergoing follow-up treatments. Makes her really weak. Barbara Foster has breast cancer. Mike Vance has cancer. Uh, Lynn's doing better, although she had a rough day because she's had therapy, and they don't treat you like a wimp, do they? They walk you through the paces with the desire that you'll get better. So we're thankful she is doing so much better. There you are again, Luther, just on the list. Right there's the point at which we mentioned you and Joan and so glad you're here tonight. Dave Woodrow's dealing with problems. Glenn Newton has serious health issues. James Hester is waiting tests. Jeremy Owens has brain tumor. Marley Warner's recovering from surgery. I think she traveled. Yes, Oh, okay. That's ter terrific. Tremendous. Okay, thank you. Uh, Eddie Allen, how's, it, is he, how's he doing with his shoulder? Okay, all right. Uh, Larry Muse is uh, Joe Garrett's friend. He has cancer. Angie South has cancer. Lennox Kenimer's five years old, has cancer. Brenda Taylor, who's a friend of Lisa's, has bladder cancer. Linda is having hip replacement surgery on the 15th. So it's coming soon, and we pray that she gets great results. Loxley Eaton has a condition, it's genetic, that is destroying bone marrow. Roy Taylor had a heart attack. Has he had his bypass? Okay. All right. Uh, Pat Cooper. Still at Iuka? Okay, wonderful. That sounds very positive. Cassie Stewart's not been well for a while. 
Floral Wanner, still struggling. Some better, okay. And then uh, Jimmy Gross, Bo's dad, he died today. And you heard the arrangements there. And then JoJo. And I, I liked what Rick said in his prayer about JoJo, that he would be an encouragement to us and we would be an encouragement to him. Here's what I take from that. The new Christians, don't you love them? The little babies, so excited to be a child of God. So excited. And you can see it in JoJo. He's hitting the ground about every two or three steps. Walking around here, people are hugging him and loving on him. Wouldn't that be something if that never ended? For the rest of his Christian life, he just stayed like that. And maybe the reason is that... We influenced him that way. Our greatest influence would be if we are doing what? The same thing. So happy to be a Christian. So thrilled to be a child of God. Kings and priests to God. Revelation 1 verse 6. How great is that? So we ought just be touching the ground about every three or four steps too, right? So he's going to encourage us because we remember that day. And then we're going to encourage him because he's going to be like, I can be like that someday. Wow. Okay. We will, Ken. We will. Okay, good. All right, let's have our prayer. And yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. Man, my, I've got a Minnie Yarbrough. Y-A-R-B-R-O-U-G-H. She's also 93. She failed a couple of weeks ago and cracked her pelvis. She's going to have to, she's on a swing bed and they can't do any surgery. She's uh, going to have to get well on her own. She's in a lot of pain. Okay. Edward? Oh, no, God. Hey, uh, Ken, we had a tragedy. Uh, three of my students at Belmont, their siblings, Father in heaven, thank you for your blessings today and for all the good things that transpired. And thank you for using us in some marvelous ways, maybe even in ways we never even thought. But thank you for giving us the opportunities. And I'm thankful that so many have just acted and, and done the things that bring glory to you. Thank you for this time that we can be together, think together about these concerns of people that we know or friends, family of our members. We pray your richest blessings on those who are suffering. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless Irene Baker with good days. Bless Austin Wentz with strength. Be with Don and Brenda as he's so very sick. Be with the Davis family and give them comfort. We pray for Carolyn Wilcutt and hoping that she can return soon. We pray for... Bobby Petty, who has cancer. Bless Kelby Smith, who's not well. We pray for Cody McGee and his recovery. Bless Larry Kennedy, Van Roberts, Paul Rollison, who all have cancer. Bless Lex Crossan and Norma Hemwell, that their health would stabilize and they have good days. Bless Eli Johnson and his treatments. We rejoice that Justin Mooney is cancer-free and wish to give you all the glory for that. And we're thankful that he knows that we were praying for him and that you've heard our pleas. We pray for James Goddard, who has cancer, for John Roten, whose health is not good. Bless Ann Langford, that she can be free from pain. We pray for Emma Hutton, Paul Nichols, Sharon Strickland, Grayson Miller, Scotty Ennis, 
Paul Goldman, Pat Moore, Teresa Burcham, who have cancer. We ask your blessings on Laura Galloway and Lauren Brumley as they go through their pregnancies. Bless Linda Garrett with good days and strength to bear up under her treatments. We pray for Barbara Foster, who has breast cancer, Mike Vance, who has cancer. Thank you, Lord, that Lynn's doing better and she's getting the treatment that she needs. Bless Luther as he's maybe facing more surgery. And we just pray, Lord, that you will help him as he deals with extraordinary pain. And uh, help us be a support to him and Joan. We pray for Dave Woodrow's having uh, difficulties. Bless Glenn Newton with his health. We pray for James as he's to have tests soon. Be with Jeremy Owens, his battle with cancer. We're thankful that Marley is doing better and that she can begin to rehab. We just pray that, that she'll respond well and that strength will return to her arm. Bless Eddie Allen as he's recovering, going through his treatments. We pray for Larry Muse, who has cancer, and Angie South. Lennox Kenimer, who's so young and has leukemia. Pray for Brenda Taylor, who has bladder cancer. Bless Linda Beard as she's going to have hip replacement surgery here in a few days. And we pray it, it results in the benefits that she's hoping for. Be with Loxley Eaton, who has a, a rare condition. Be with Roy Taylor that he can recover from the injury to his heart and uh, pray that the doctors will prescribe the treatment that's necessary for complete healing. We're thankful that Pat Cooper's doing some better or, and we just pray that she'll get her strength back. We're glad she's gaining weight and we just hope this is all indicative of progress for the good. Bless Cassie Stewart, who's not been well for a long time. We pray for Flora Warner. In her advanced age, we pray she'll have good days. We ask your blessings on the Gross family. And as regards to us and Bo, we just especially pray for Bo in the loss of his father and comfort in the days that are coming. Be with Minnie Yarbrough, who fell and is in a lot of pain. We pray that she'll get treatment that will help alleviate that and promote healing for her. And we pray for the Martinez family, whose mother died in an accident. We pray your comfort on that family and uh, be with Guy as he's in a unique position to offer encouragement to them. And uh, we pray, Lord, that he'll be able to do just that, uh, to be able to offer the encouragement that they need in a very difficult situation. Uh, Lord, please bless us as we are studying together and uh, help, us to, help us to be able to learn what's necessary in order for our families to be stronger. And thank you for the, the benefit of being in the church that provides a platform by which we can learn and know and do better. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I want to read something to you. Yesterday, I, I read news articles to begin my day every day, trying to keep myself abreast of, you know, what's happening. And I read from two different sources articles that were relating a commencement speech that Harrison Butker gave. Now, I'm just going to read the article to you because it tells the story. A commencement speech by one of the NFL's top place kickers has gone viral on social media after he told graduates that marriage and family would bring them more joy than their careers. Harrison Butker, a two-time Super Bowl champion with the Kansas City Chiefs, delivered the commencement address Saturday at his alma mater, Georgia Tech and acknowledged that his advice was a little, a little controversial in today's society. Butker kicked the game-winning field goal twice during the 22-23 NFL playoffs, first in the AFC Championship game and then in the Super Bowl. A focus on marriage and family, he said, can help fix society's problems. 
Our culture is suffering. We all see it. It doesn't matter which political persuasion you sit on or whether you're a person of deep faith or not. Anyone with eyes can see that something's off. Studies have shown one of the many negative effects of the pandemic is that a lot of young adults feel a sense of hope, uh, hopelessness, loneliness, anxiety, and depression. Despite technology that's connected us more than ever before, it would seem the more connected people are to one another, the more they feel alone. I'm not sure the root of this, but at least I can offer one controversial antidote that I believe will have a lasting impact for generations to come. Get married and start a family. Despite having two Super Bowl rings, Butker said his wedding ring is the most important ring I have. They just announced that the Super Bowl was the most watched football game of all time. And yet all of this happiness is temporary, he said. And the truth is, none of these accomplishments mean anything compared to the happiness I've found in my marriage and starting a family. My confidence as a husband and father, and yes, even as a football player, is rooted in my marriage with my wife as we leave our mark on future generations by the children we bring into the world. How much greater of a legacy can anyone leave than that? Sadly, he noted, society encourages people to live our lives for ourselves, to move from one thing to another with no long-term commitment, to have loyalty for nothing but ourselves and, sacrifice to only, uh, and to sacrifice only when it suits our own interests. This loneliness, he says, is rooted in the lies being sold about self-dependence and prioritizing our career over important relationships. People, he continued, have innate value bestowed upon them by the Creator. While I'm still striving to be a better, more virtuous man, he said, I'm confident that with God and with my wife on my side, I can do more than I ever could imagine have imagined alone. Okay, so somebody famous for winning a Super Bowl. Wow. But he says, I, I want to share with you something that, and who would have believed this 50 years ago? Something that's controversial. You should be in a family. You should be married. You should have a spouse and children. That's the legacy. Actually, what he says, statistically, shockingly, is absolutely right. Less than half of the households in the United States of America have married couples in them. Less than half. Around a third of adults who are 25 to 50 around a third, they've never been married. About four, one-fourth of young adults surveyed said, I don't think I'm ever going to get married. One in five adults, and this is in an older category, 55 to 64. That's people who've already been down the road and had the opportunity one in five adults, 55 to 64, have never had children. 44% of adults from age 18 to 49 say that they never intend to have any children. Well, what Buckner said his observation seems to be absolutely true. At least that's the trend. The family, the home, is becoming a thing of the past. That's why it's so important for us to hear what the Bible has to say about tending to your family.
Now, tonight we're going to begin the first of six qualities that I believe are important for building strong families. And as I suggested to you last time, my intention is to begin by looking at what the scriptures have to say about this particular characteristic. And I'm going to share six characteristics related to commitment in the family. And then the time that remains, I want to share with you some things that I believe are ideas that we can employ in our families to help develop the thing we're going to talk about tonight, to develop uh, commitment. Let's talk first about commitment to marriage. Now, I'm going to have Rick read some scriptures for us. I'm encouraging you to turn to these scriptures, and you might want to look at them a little bit later. The first of those scriptures is in the book of Malachi. That's the last book in the Old Testament scriptures. In Malachi chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 13 through 16. Go ahead. And this have you done again, covering the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, and with crying out, insomuch that he regardeth not the offering any more, or receiveth it with the goodwill at your hand. Okay, hold on a second. You hear what's happening. God says, you know what? Normally I receive sacrifices and offerings, but lately it has been so, it's been so sad. It's been so much grief, so many tears and so much crying that's gone on that I've not even been able to give attention to the sacrifices that have been offered. Okay, keep reading. Yet ye say, wherefore? Because the Lord hath witnesses between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. And did not make, and did, and did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the spirit, and wherefore were one? that he might uh, seek a godly seed. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. Okay, hold on there a second. So you did like most people did, you know. You were young, you fell in love, you got married. You were following through on the institution that God set forth in the very beginning. That a man was going to leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they too were going to become one flesh, but what have you done? You have broken that commandment and all I'm hearing are, are tears and sadness and moaning and the crying out to me. Continue, please. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. For one covereth violence with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that ye deal not treacherously. How does God feel about a family being broken up by divorce? He hates it. He hates it. Why does he hate it so much, you think? Pardon? Okay. First of all, it was, it, he's the one who established it. And it's, it's a beautiful picture, right? And I think I've laid that out for you before. God created man, uh, one whole body. But out of that body, he took a rib, he created the woman. Now they're two separate physical forms, but they come together in marriage as one. It's like what was taken apart is now joined back together, the two become one. That's beautiful. But God says this separation, this, this divorce that has taken place is, I hate it. And I hate it because now all I hear are these cries to me. Now, Here's, here's a misconception. People are like, well, we'll get a divorce. You know, it's just between us. It's private. It's between us. No, no, it really isn't. You may be justified in the divorce that you seek, but I just, I just think from another perspective here of what happens. It's not just between the two of you. If you have children in that family... They're affected. And then the people, the, the rest of the extended family that you have, they're affected by it. And then the friends. 
Every, every life that you have touched is affected by it. When I was a kid, I'd never heard of anybody having divorce. And then someone in my elementary school came to school crying, whatnot. What's wrong? My parents are getting a divorce. What's that? Well, mom and dad aren't going to live together anymore. They're going to be separated apart, and we're not sure what's going to happen to us. And it was, it was the picture that God's describing right here of the wailing and the crying and the sadness. So I, did, I didn't have anything in that, right? That, that doesn't affect my, my mom and dad. They love each other. I mean, they're good. We have a good... But after that happened to them, guess what that did to me? For the longest time, I continued to worry without any evidence at all that it might happen, but I continued to worry that my parents might fall into the same trap. Now that's way back when, when no one hardly ever heard of divorce. What about today? We just saw that that practically half of everybody that lives in a house somewhere is unmarried. I mean, the marriage is, is going uh, in, a, in a very dangerous direction. Uh, people are not committing themselves to one another anymore. God says, you built this relationship. That was beautiful. That's, that's humankind. But now this just, I hate it. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 8. He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. From the beginning, what did God do with the man and the woman? The two became one flesh. He said, well, what happened was that when Moses came along, he, he made a provision for that. But he says, let's go back to the beginning. From the beginning, that, that isn't how it was. And the reason that a provision was even made, a divorce was even established, was because of what condition? The hardness of hearts. Okay? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. 22 to 23. Uh, 33. Okay. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of, the, of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his, loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth, cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall, to, they shall be two, shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Okay, so the original intention for marriage, isn't, isn't it beautiful? The husband loves the wife. The wife respects her husband. It's a beautiful relationship. When that is dissolved, what, what is it dissolved as a result of? God's mistake? No. What you see here, God's imploring us to treat one another with love and to maintain that relationship. But just as Moses, because the hardness of people's hearts, if a husband doesn't love his wife as his own body, if the wife doesn't reciprocate that love with respect for the husband, uh, recognizing him as the head of this household, then what happens to the marriage relationship? At the very least, it suffers. Yes, no. Absolutely yes. 
And then Titus chapter 2 and verse 4. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about this more Sunday. But to love the husband, love the children, that's not agape love. It's the word phileo. Literally means have, have affection for your husband. Wow. Not only are we to be committed to our marriage, because that was ordained of God, but in a family relationship, it isn't just the husband and wife that exist there. Guess what? There are lots of individuals. If we have children in that relationship, each one of those individuals is to be cared for, to be committed to. So it isn't just generally as a whole the family functions. It also gets down to the very individual responsibilities to each member of that family. Um, look at 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Okay, this is the, the head of this household, the one who's watching over the needs of that family. But guess what he's supposed to do? Just take care of the wife and then she'll take care of the kids? No, he's to see over everybody who's within that household. He is interested in the individual needs of everybody who is under his oversight in the home. He is committed to the care and the tending of each person in that family. It's important to be committed to first things first. Have you read Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 about our priorities in life? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Okay, so all the things that are added to you, clothing, food, shelter, the needs of this world. Most people spend their lives working a job or trying to amass a fortune so that they can provide for these things. What does God say? That's really where we ought to be putting our emphasis? Question mark. No. Emphasis is to be put where? With everything else secondary. To seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is righteousness? That's the matter of right doing, yes? Falling within the category of right doing, therefore even the effect of seeking the kingdom of God, would be what? Our topic itself. The care and the strengthening of our families. Yes? Because that's caring for others in the process of that. And we're, we're hoping, as a component of the kingdom of God, the expansion of the kingdom, right? And the encouragement that is seen there in uh, the kingdom's development. What about the matter of honesty? Committed to honesty. Don't we have to trust each other in a family relationship? In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another, one of another. Okay, generally, that's a church reference. Yes, I want to see after the members of the body. I want to be honest, but... Uh, isn't that true of our relationship and our families too? Are we not speak the truth and be reliable in that truth? If we're going to strengthen our families, we're going to have to make an absolute commitment uh, to speaking the truth, being honest. Um, what about family traditions? Okay. So in families, you might hear this statement sometimes. We always, and then you could just put an ellipsis there. For instance, uh, here's a couple from me, my experience. As a family, you know, there's some things that are just kind of ours. And maybe other families do it, but it's something that's become a part of what we do. Like, uh, for instance, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, we know pretty well what the menu's gonna be like <laughs> because everybody in the family has their favorite thing. So Anita will say, what do you wanna have? It's always the same meal because everybody has their favorite. Mine is oyster dressing. Every Thanksgiving, I know we're getting oyster dressing. You say, oyster dressing? Yeah, I like it because I grew up on it. 
That's what my mom made when I was a little kid. And so whether you're grossed out at the thought of it, that's become kind of a traditional thing for me. It's not Thanksgiving unless I get my oyster dressing. A lot of you maybe do this uh, every Thanksgiving. Before we dive into all that food, we go around, every single one of us, and we state before the rest of the family or friends that are gathered there with us the thing that we are most thankful for. I mean, it's kind of a tradition for us. Again, it wouldn't hardly seem like Thanksgiving without it. There are a lot of things in our families that kind of stand out that way. You have any traditions that are important to you? Anybody want to say one? Okay, apparently we're the only ones who have traditions. But then I'm going to encourage you, build some. Because when you have something like that, what do you do? You're building connection. And even though my mother isn't able to have Thanksgiving meal with us anymore, guess what? I'm eating that oyster dressing. Tastes just like my mama's. Uh, I remember. I remember how good it was to be a part of that family. I'm hoping then in process that that's going to have an effect on my family. And, Absolutely. Uh, a last thing that I would barbecue. Um, a last thing I would uh, suggest to you is be committed to the long haul. How long are you going to be in your family, you think? You say, well, I'm, I don't know, all my life. Okay, how long is that going to be? I already heard about Sister Warner. She's 93 years old. Uh, Rick's got an aunt, 93 years old. I mean, we can live a long time. It's great being in a family when the kids are young and they're running around, but guess what? Anita and I, we're in the second phase now. We're dealing with grandkids too. Are they a part of our family that we want to remain strong? You better believe it. And, you know, Lord willing and our health makes it possible and somehow or other we go down the road as far as some of you have, then maybe we'll have great-grandkids. And what a joy that would be. But to see each successive generation committed to each other and to the good of the whole of the family, that's, that is a goal that we've got to be striving for. Else, in another 10 years or 20 years, we're going to hear statistics that are more shocking than the ones that I shared with you just a few moments ago. If it is going to begin somewhere, why not begin right here? Yes? Let's have a prayer together and then we'll be dismissed. Our Father, we thank you for the time that we could be together and talk about family. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to be committed to our families. Help us to be so committed that you know, we, we don't think beyond that. We, we think about the beauty and the relationship between the husband and the wife, the mom and dad, uh, to the children. And if you bless it to grandchildren and great-grandchildren, to extended family, I pray, Lord, that despite what the world may be showing, that we will have such commitment that family will always be of importance to us and we would do whatever it takes in order to maintain our families, so that not just that we might enjoy the benefit of others close to us, but ultimately, as they are apart with us spiritually, glorifying you in a life that is righteous, seeking your kingdom first. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of family and, and help us as we go along to develop these qualities in us so that we don't have to have so much fear about moving forward into the future. In Jesus' name, amen.